Is your health thriving or is it merely surviving? Welcome to Thriving with Chiropractic, where we unpack conditions and lifestyle challenges in order for you to be the best version of health you can possibly be. I'm your host, Dr. Mosier, and my beautiful co-host is my wife, Ellen. Join us on this journey to thrive. Um, but providence is the care preservation 
operation in government that God exercises over his creation so that it fulfills the purpose for which it was created. Let me give you an example of what that looks like. Um, God created people. You guys agree with me on that? Okay. So he created all people, and that would include doctors and chemists and pharmacists and, and people who uh, understand how our minds, how our brains work. And, and so I would say that it's God's providence to say that I created this person who understands how to correct a chemical imbalance in your brain who can put a medication together that will help you uh, to not struggle with anxiety or depression. I believe that that is a cure from God in the same way uh, that the miraculous is. It just looks a little different. It's, uh, it's providential. So um, I, I attribute that to God as well, and I think it's an important part of this conversation to say it's not a lack of faith to take medications for a chemical imbalance in your brain. So that's what depression is. It's a chemical imbalance in your brain. It's not a lack of faith, and I vehemently reject that argument. Yeah, it seems like there's an issue of categorization where, um, for instance, a lot of people of faith walk through the doors of the most chiropractic. And just this morning, I'm like, my wrist is hurting. I'm going to ask Chris to adjust that. My wrist feels fine now. I didn't see that as, well, my wrist hurts, so I'm just going to spend the morning praying. No, I providentially, um, God used you uh, to bring a solution to my pain. And, I, and the, the part about the category is what I'm getting at is that for some reason, we treat mental illness differently reality, they're, they're categorically the same. Um, perhaps it's because it's an internal struggle. Perhaps it's because it's a little more difficult to understand than something like my wrist hurts or my leg hurts. Um, but for whatever reason, I think we treat it differently than we would a physical ailment. Um, it would be abundantly insulting in my opinion. Uh, if someone raised their hand during church for a prayer request and said, know what, I'm having trouble with my liver, or uh, I'm having chronic headaches, or I have some physical ailment, I've got cancer, it would be abundantly insulting to that person to say, well, why don't we just have more faith and pray, and everything will get better. But for whatever reason, we would treat a request for mental illness that way in so many instances. And so part of what I try to do as someone who myself has experienced a struggle with mental illness is to normalize conversation about it within the context of the congregation, not to make it the taboo elephant in the room that we never discuss, not to try to explain it away with oversimplified uh, cliches and, and church jargon, but to say, let's have a real discussion about this. So I know personally from the pulpit, I've said, I'm in therapy right now. I'm in counseling. It's been abundantly helpful. Here are some things that my counselor has opened my eyes to, and I am completely comfortable jumping on board with what Tony said, that that is the work of God. That is the slow work of the spirit uh, that's manifesting through that relationship and that conversation. Um, and and I, I'm thankful for that outlet and that source of healing in my life. And I encourage the congregation to, to take advantage of that too. Yeah. I want to jump on a, on a word that Steve said there. It's such a key word. It's the word slow. And, and we live in a world where we want everything fast, like like when I go to McDonald's, if I if I've got to wait more than three minutes, I'm furious, right? Like what in the world is going on? I just cook my burger, right? Um, but but the best things that happen in life happen slowly. And so we want.
God to move immediately. We want God to move quickly. But oftentimes, He's going to move slowly to, to affect profound change. And um, one of my professors, um, uh, Dan Shantz, years ago said it this way, and it's always stuck with me. He said that um, there are different types of trees that grow at different speeds. So a, a willow tree is going to grow really fast in a short amount of time, uh, but the wood of a willow tree is not useful for anything. You wouldn't build a table or a desk or a chair from a willow tree. An oak tree grows very, very slowly, and it's often going to take 50, 60, even 100 years for it um, to reach maturity, but the wood of an oak tree is renowned, it's strong, it's stable, and you do want to build things out of it. And, and so oftentimes that, that quick work isn't going to support uh, a lifetime of health. God moves slowly to affect change over a long period of time. And I thought that word slow was really yeah. key. Uh, and that, that concept for me came from a, a grad class on the Holy Spirit where uh, similarly a professor said something that stuck with me that we're, to your point earlier, we're enamored with the fast work of the Holy Spirit, those miraculous healings. Those are the things that are the headlines that they catch our attention. But so much of the narrative of Scripture is a retelling of the Spirit and the power of God working slowly over time. Um, and that I, I admit that that's harder. That's more difficult to buy into because I want to see the results immediately. I want to pray, and then it happens. Yeah. And but that's that's not the way that prayer works. And and bringing a genie in the bottle mentality into our prayer life. Misses the point of prayer um, and kind of makes the Holy Spirit some sort of um, magic thing that, with the right incantation, we can uh, we can invoke the presence of the Spirit. And I don't believe that's how it works. Yeah, and I, well, it really like the narrative of Scripture really bears that out. I think, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That that uh, uh, Jesus says. In Matthew 6, at the end of the chapter, that uh, that we would seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And when we do that, we'll have everything that we need. I like it. Because you were talking about, you know, chemical imbalance, right? And you were talking about uh, we, we focus so much on the physical aspects, uh, physical rather than the psychological things. We kind of brush those off. And, and uh, not to make this more about chiropractic or anything, because I, I like where this is going, but like so often people come to me and they're like, well, my medical doctor just said this is just in my head. My fibromyalgia is just in my head. Is, you know, what is fibromyalgia? And, and I'm deviating just a little bit, but fibromyalgia, there's pain, excessive pain with no apparent ailments, right? And so they get brushed off. And so that that's where a lot of churches, I think, brush off people is, oh, you're depressed. You have this heavy chest pain of you don't want to get out of bed. Just brush off. Just go pray more. And I love where you guys were going with this. And, and you know, so much. And, and I'm just tying in the physical and the chemical balance there's research showing the cerebellum, really the posture, like the back of the brain, 
Let's get really self-conscious. Okay, carry on, doctor. So when your posture is off, that actually affects the frontal cortex of your the brain. That leads to anxiety and depression. And so, so often when we adjust the spine, we start to change that chemical balance, which we really need. But I often tell people, talk to someone smarter than me. Right? What I'm talking about is that you need counseling. Right? Why? say leading into that is I one of my soapboxes is the the way that latitudes and cliches can be very theologically damaging. Um, the the yeah. classic example that I give is that you go to a funeral, uh, this this family's just crushed with their tragic loss and you don't know exactly what to say because it's above your pay grade. And so you blurt something out like God just needed Ah, I don't know about the theology of that. And I, I think that when we don't know how to address an issue, we run the risk of opening up our mouths like Job's friends and saying, well, let me figure out how to explain this, even though it's well above my papery. Uh, we run the risk of being like the disciples who they and Jesus encounter this person with an ailment, and they say, now, who sinned, this guy or his parents, yeah. that he ended up this way? And we want a clear-cut explanation for the way things work. And the reality is that the things of God and, and things like mental illness are a lot more complex than we have the ability uh, to explain succinctly. And so, first of all, I would warn against throwing out a cliche that, that you think is going to be better. And here's where I'll, I'll give uh, a word of clarification. This is not uh, questioning the power of prayer. This is not some sacrilegious uh, thought about scripture lacking power but it doesn't solve anxiety to walk up to someone who's struggling with it and just say, well, you know that Jesus says that who by worrying can have another hour to their lives. That's not, a, that's not a solution. That's not abundantly helpful. What is helpful is to have someone that walks through in relationship with you and becomes a vessel of God's love and presence in your life. And that's what pastors can do. That's what therapy can do. And so for me, when people come to me struggling with those things, I don't just throw out a word of scripture and say, now, good luck. Um, I want to try to walk through them with this. Um, and also, as a pastor, it's important for, well, I'll say us, um, to realize our limitations, too. Yeah. Um, I am fine to do pastoral counseling with people uh, and walk through them, um, but I have to know my limitations. If people are dealing with trauma, if people are dealing with clinical depression, clinical anxiety, uh, any of these other more serious issues, that is beyond what I'm equipped to handle. And professional counseling needs to step into that point. Yeah, and really at that point, um, Steve and I, we both agree on this, we don't just have uh, a responsibility, we have an obligation at that point to refer to somebody who has um, training and expertise in that. Um, I'll answer your question, question this way, um, Dr. Moser. Years ago, I heard Paul David Tripp give an illustration um, that I think is really relevant to this. He said that um, his five-year-old son got a pet goldfish from the school carnival. And uh, they had it for a couple of days, and then the goldfish dies. 
and his son is just crushed. Like he's like he's really broken up about it. And he said, my tendency was to just brush it off, to ignore it, to trivialize this for my son because I'm older, I'm wiser, I've experienced more significant loss in my life, and this isn't that big. It's a goldfish. Like you look at a goldfish wrong, it dies, you know. And so like, he's like, I know that this isn't that big of a deal. And he said, by the grace of God, before I could go down that path, I realized that the loss of that goldfish wasn't the most experience, uh, the most um, severe trauma that I've experienced in my life, but it was the most significant thing that my son had experienced. So my level for emotional trauma and experience was here, but my son's was here, he was bumping up against that ceiling, so I had to help my son bump up against that ceiling. And I think that's an important illustration because, sure, you may not have been um, traumatically abused. Like, um, I think about the movie Goodwill Hunting, Matt Damon's character. Um, if you haven't seen that movie, it just means you're a good Christian, okay? Um, but if, if you're going to watch it, watch a made-for-TV version, okay? Uh, but it, in this movie, like Matt Damon's character has been uh, abused significantly in his childhood, and, and he goes to counseling, and there's like this breakthrough moment, and it's awesome, and we go, okay, like, that's the kind of person that comes from this world. Like they're, they're deeply broken, but what in reality is what's going on is like his emotional ceiling, the things that he's experienced is here. And just because yours is here doesn't mean that you shouldn't deal with this. Counseling, I believe, is for everybody. Steve said earlier that, that he's been in counseling. And I have no shame in admitting that I see a counselor on a regular basis. It's healthy for me. It's healthy for my ministry. It's healthy for my family. It's healthy for my relationship with my wife. Uh, it's healthy for some of those um, traumas that I've experienced. And maybe they're here compared to yours here. Um, but I have a responsibility to deal with the things that are here. And I think you do too. Counseling is helpful for everyone because we all have events in our lives and we don't know what to do with And that, to play off the Goodwill Hunting, which, which is a fantastic movie, by the way. Oh, uh, that's Steve, right? Kind of a, yeah, yeah, I'll be the heathen bastard, so I can watch this movie with all the cussing in it. Um, but the, the breakthrough scene in there, the repetitive phrase that, that the therapist uh, gives to will is it's not your fault and I think that's a message that people need to hear when it comes to mental illness is that we can be Mosher Family Chiropractic provides comprehensive care and massage therapy for the entire family from migraines and sports related injuries to prenatal and elderly massage Mosher offers the best in recuperative and preventative care call today or visit us online recognize it if we're not careful and make people think I must not be spiritual enough, I must not pray in the right way, I must not read the Bible enough, I can just devotional my way out of this. Um, and there is an element of shamefulness uh, that some people experience bringing these things to the table in the congregational or church setting, and we need to be done with that. Um, just as nobody would be fearful to raise their hands and say, I'm having back surgery next week, would you pray for me? I want it to be normalized that people will say, you know what, I'm really struggling with depression. I can't pull myself out of it right now. Would the church pray for me? Um, bring that into the community because I believe that we're designed in a way that we experience healing in community and in relationship. And in those, I have a therapist friend that says, we experience healing from Jesus with flesh on, Jesus with skin on. And 
that incarnational idea of scripture that God takes on flesh uh, I think expands more than just the one incarnation of Christ but we see the presence of God in others experience the spirit through others and those relationships are where we find healing uh, the enemy would want nothing more than for us to isolate uh, and, and, and hold our stuff inside and never let it see the light of day but that's when darkness finds healing is when it's exposed to the light and brought out into the open. So I think you're absolutely right. Healing is done in community. And I've said this before on different uh, episodes, but the Holy Spirit has a voice. Sometimes it just has to use our vocal voice. And I think we all can be a light. Um, obviously, I have two amazing pastors with me uh, for our community, but you don't have to be a pastor to dive into another topic since I have both of you with me. Grit. Um, when you face adversity and you're wanting to give up on yourself, and, and anxiety and depression ties into this, but what are your thoughts on someone wanting to just give up on life, give up on themselves? Well, I would say that um, that's not an experience that's unique to any one individual. And, and again, to the same degree that Steve's saying that, like, I'm struggling right now, if we're all honest with ourselves, we've all felt that from time to time. And maybe the best piece of advice I could give you is if that's what you're feeling, don't walk that alone. Bring somebody into that. You've got somebody in your life that you can say that to, right? And, and, and maybe... Maybe you don't. Maybe you do feel alone. Maybe you do feel isolated. Um, find Steve. Find me. Find Dr. Mosier. We would be happy to walk through that with you. The more alone you find yourself, the more you're going to believe that you should just give up. And you shouldn't. You matter. You have value. You have worth. And uh, you should not walk that path alone. Yeah, and and believing that, and this is a this is a big issue of identity. Uh, believing that Psalm 139 is true in what it says. Um, David says, you created me in my inmost being. And just a little while later, he says, your works are wonderful, I know that full well. And it's that David Crowder song um, reminds us that I am yours. Like I, My identity comes from being created by God. And, and sometimes we need someone to mirror that because we can't see it in ourselves. Absolutely. But just the fact that we've been created in the image of God gives us value. Um, when we buy into lies that we're only valuable if we accomplish so many things or if we get so many likes on social media, um, if we have the status that our culture tells us we need to have in order to earn that value, then, then we'll, we'll constantly be disappointed in who we are. But if we can tune into the fact that we are loved and valuable because God says that that's who we are. Um, that's a good start. Now, again, you don't just quote that as someone, I'm having a thought to take you my life. Well, you know, it's not as easy as fixing it just by telling them that. Uh, but walking in relationship with someone uh, is vital. Uh, and I, I want to point out, too, that it's not, it's not limited to people who aren't pastors. Um, there was a very well-documented uh, story of a, a 
Pastor Jared Wilson in California three years ago. Uh, mega church pastor from from those types of standards of success, he was about as, as successful as you could get. Um, and he took his own life uh, within the context of him being very open to the pulpit about his own struggles with depression and mental illness. Within the context of that day, him preaching a, ser a sermon at a funeral for someone who had taken their own life. And then he took his own life. And so, again, being inside the church does not make you immune from these things in any way. Being employed by a church does not make you immune from these things in any way. Um, those attacks are waiting in our door just like they are in the uh, So being aware, being honest, being open about these things and reaching out for help um, and from the other side of it, being aware enough and discerning enough to recognize patterns in other people that are unusual and reaching out to them and reaching out to those. Absolutely. And, and Steve, I think, I think you said that so well. Um, and, and I'll just go to this idea of like, like remembering that you're created in the image of God and finding worth in that. It's really easy for us to look at other places and try to find worth and value in that. Um, social media is incredibly dangerous for this um, because what we do on social media is we create a curated version of ourselves, right? Um, and, and you know, I know from my social media that I, when I'm having an argument with my wife or I snapped at my kids, I, I don't go like, today, Tony snapped at his kids and feels guilty about it. I, I don't post that and neither do you. So we create this curated version of our lives on social media, but then we forget that everybody else is doing the same thing. And so we say, oh man, look at Steve, like he's he's really got his life together. I wish I was more, but Steve doesn't snap at him, but he has arguments with his wife. People say that often to me. And so like we compare the worst moments of our lives to the best moments of everybody else's. And so it's almost like a factory for anxiety and depression. It's almost a factory that makes us feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not as good as them. I shouldn't go on. I should just give up. Don't believe that lie. Um, I think an incredibly healthy thing for you to do with this would be to just get rid of social media if you're in a season where you're struggling. Don't look at the best version of everybody else's life and compare it to the worst moments of yours. Okay? That'll be that'll be a step that'll put you in the right direction. Not the not the complete answer. But it's a step in the right direction. That'll be a healthy move. I think someone probably just took their phone and smashed it because you told them yeah. to get off social media. Yeah. <laughs> Down with Zuckerberg. Sorry, I took it too far. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, now we're we canceled. Yeah. But um, guys, I absolutely really do appreciate you guys coming on the show with me. Uh, I think this is going to bring a ton of value for a lot of folks in our community and really beyond. And thank you for joining us, and I will see you next time. Thank you for joining. We truly hope Thriving with Chiropractic is making a positive impact on your health and wellness. Please comment and share this episode. We would love to hear from you. And as always, remember, your story matters.